0: By rattling snake and bullfrog's croak, the singing robin and jackalope.
1: By howling coyote and gator's snout, to the crossroads we dance about.
0: Welcome to Southern Bramble,
1: a podcast of crooked ways.
0: Southern Bramble is a Patreon-supported podcast, so if you want to see Austin and I get extra spicy with special guest hosts, head on over to patreon.com. Backslash Southern Bramble. If you subscribe, you'll get early access to podcast episodes, recorded video, monthly spell, sigil, or recipe outlines. You'll get to also ask listener questions. And if you join the top tier, you'll be acknowledged at the end of each episode. So please, if you'd like to support us, check us out on Patreon. I promise you won't regret it. So this is the virgin episode of Southern Bramble. I am Marshall, the witch of Southern Light.
1: Hi, and I'm Austin uh, Banex Bramble on Instagram.
0: Uh, I am so excited for this. Uh, we we have been like trying to figure out how to really come together. Like I live in Texas, Austin lives in Florida, and we've been messing with all of the uh, technological stuff. I've never felt so millennial.
1: <laughs> yeah I um, don't uh, I'm like uh, I'm only 24 and I swear I'm s- technologically adept or inept mm-hmm. like I don't know how to do any of this
0: that makes sense but we're finding it out and that's actually kind of cool because we're doing this on Anchor Anchor is really really easy I'm not even making an ad right now I'm going to make an ad later and you're going to have to hear me say this probably twice <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's totally fine
0: uh but i know austin and i were talking we were thinking the best way we could kind of start off this podcast would be to get to know each other uh if you're gonna have to listen to us talk to each other over the next however many five to thousand years this podcast will go you should at least start by knowing who are these who are these people
1: yeah who are these homos who are these who are chatting yeah who are these queers who are these queers chatting your ears (laughs) off We told you it was gonna be spicy, y'all.
0: Oh yes, uh, definitely. I do know that the way in which, I wanna say, I'm, I'm just gonna use the full on scientific word here. My homosexuality has affected my craft and in, in, in many ways.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, same. Uh, If you don't like the word queer and you don't like the F word, I don't know. I say it a lot. So I apologize in advance.
0: That's okay. Um, I personally feel like this is our space. And if we're using words that we have personally reclaimed based off of words that were used against us when we were younger and we want to own that identity now, I think that should be our right. Um, Yeah. That's how I
1: feel about it. Yeah. I definitely shouldn't say I apologize in advance because I, I don't mean that apology in any sense to anyone listening, so...
0: Hashtag sorry, not sorry.
1: (laughs) Very that, very that.
0: Okay, so, um, first things first, I thought it'd be very interesting, of course, I... Uh, I love Britton and Jay Austin from uh, Invoking Witchcraft. I love their podcast. It's really fantastic. They inspired me to kind of have this idea of interviewing each other. And I don't want to just totally rip them off because that would be rude. <laughs> but I figured it they wouldn't mind quite as much if I also gave their podcast a shout out. Ah!
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I awkwardly messaged um, Josh and I was like, um yeah so maybe you know one sometime we can cut this out but i was like we should, you know maybe we should do like a little like a little crossover like it'd be really cute because he commented on the art that we did or that i did when we posted when we announced the podcast and i was like <laughs> maybe like we should interview each other at one point i don't know maybe did he respond yeah yeah yeah, yeah.
0: oh good we, then, we then had, we've had
1: that it's not so weird <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, we've had we've had some we've had some cute little chats um in the past, and and um he was like, oh yeah, maybe we should do that, and I was like, yeah, well you know it's okay if you don't want to, it's totally fine. But he he did, he was like, no, that'd be that'd be cool. So I don't know how much of that he meant, but
0: well, maybe we'll have to start by making a first episode in the first place. That way, there'll at least be some sort <laughs> of like frame of reference for what anyone would be signing up for.
1: <laughs> exactly,
0: yeah. So uh, Austin and I put together a list of different questions. I have no idea what he has written. Uh, He has no idea what I have written. And I figure this could be kind of a fun exploratory experiment. What do you say?
1: Yeah, I think it'll be fun because I um, usually when I do interviews, I either give the questions to the person or I like to know the questions myself so I can prepare. Me too. So this will be really interesting. Mm -hmm
0: um so who wants to go first eeny meeny money mo. i think you should okay <laughs> okay so austin my first question for you is what does your practice look like
1: ooh that's a good one and really similar to my first question for you of course, of course. um so my which my practice is, well, If for those of you who don't know, I practice um, what is known as folkloric um, witchcraft or folkloric traditional witchcraft. So essentially what that means is that my practice is really land-based. It is inspired by history, by folklore. um, It's very spirit heavy, and I follow um, what I consider to be the six pathways of witchcraft. Um, so uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's dirty and gross and ugly and beautiful all at the same time. I should start off by saying that, um, there's lots of pissing in jars and, uh, blood and nudity and cum and, and yelling. (laughs) There's a lot of that.
0: Commanding. I command
1: Yeah, very that. And also, you know, conjuring up the devil for fun.
0: Right. And so in folklore, this is really interesting. I know I've talked about this on my Instagram, but um, conjuring up the devil in folklore is very different from the idea of the the Christian Satan or Lucifer. Um, Would you mind clarifying exactly what you mean by that?
1: Yeah. So I don't think I've actually talked about this on social media. So this is uh, really interesting. So the way that I see things, and I think the way that many people I know who follow a similar practice that I, I do see it, is there's many different devils, there's many different spirits, there's many different witch initiators, um, right? So, because, like, you can't, like, claim, like, there are people who have been initiated into witchcraft by Akate, or some other deity, or some other spirit, right? So to just say that, the devil's the only way, or that one spirit or one deity is the only way. Um, I think that's not a hundred percent accurate. Um, so to like quick disclaimer on that, but there's many different devils. There's many different crossroad devils, uh, plant devils, uh, devils of the land, devils of place, uh, many different dirty devils too. Like, you know, trick trickster spirits and, um, you know, but I, I think it all kind of feeds into the larger folkloric devil, right? Um, but they are quite separate entities. So, on top of that, when we look historically at Christianity and the folkloric devil, they overlap and they get really conflated. But the Christian Satan um, would technically be you know a adversarial spirit or you know the some petty impersonation of all evil you know just the embodiment of all evil and and all of that whereas the folkloric devil kind of has a much um, actual like historic lineage that you can base from pre-christian europe and images from pre-Christian Europe you know the horned god of the west or you know lots of different um pagan deities who have morphed and and uh, conflated all into this you know Christian double lore and this pre-Christian double lore and and it gets really confusing because they're all like it's intertwined but they are separate at the same time so um yeah I don't worship like Some Christian Satan. I uh, don't really worship anyone at all, actually, Um, but we can get into that later. So I don't know if that answered your question, but I do. It
0: definitely does. I think it's interesting, because I think it's important to remember that not everyone's practice looks the same. And just yeah. because you hear one word that ticks off a thought or an image, doesn't mean that that's the same thing it means to that other person who said it. So when people hear the word devil, most people immediately go to the idea of the Christian Satan or a fallen angel Lucifer. But that's not really what we're, we're totally talking about. Here. Wouldn't you agree with that?
1: Yeah, I definitely would agree with that, at least personally. I want to leave room, though, for people who, you know, are theological Satanists. I want to leave room for um, Luciferians. I want to leave room for, um, you know, the Goetic, uh, you know, the Luciferian spirit that you would invoke for lots of Goetic workings or lots of Solomonic magic. Um, you know lucifer as the light bringer lucifer as uh the light the light star in the dark you know those kinds of things so um yeah separate but different but also the same but different
0: it's kind of like that i'm turning away from status quo a transgressive act of of for me i know that in general, I love the idea of of accepting that outcast or marginalized place put me in, and just completely embracing it. And I think sometimes that kind of that kind of leads to the whole "I met the trickster spirit at the crossroads" because that's where I ultimately was pushed to go, and that's where I found solace.
1: Yeah, absolutely. There is a lot of like crossroads, um, points of intersection, and liminality. Um, An overlap between uh at least in my opinion, I think there's lots of overlap between witchcraft and and queerness. oh definitely. so now it's my turn, you do me, you do me. Yes. So I, I want to know, Marshall, how do you define witchcraft in your own words? Ah,
0: it's so funny you say that because I've listened to you actually describe this in your own words. And I think we've even talked about this because we have a little different ideas of what it means to us individually. To me, uh, witchcraft was it. My name is, is, is The Witcher Southern Light because not only am I in the South, but the South kind of gave me this feeling of, of down below, there was this darkness, there was this depth of place that I was when I was younger that I felt very outcast, in the dark, marginalized. I'm gay. I came out very young. Before I even came out, everyone in my entire life suspected. So I found my light within witchcraft. I found my light in that darkness. So for me, witchcraft was a, a reclamation of personal power. It was a choice to, instead of continue to fight, to be part of the accepted majority, I just went, I went, fuck that. This is mine. This is my space. I'm going to make it my space. Um, so for me, not only was witchcraft a choice or as you have said, actually a transgressive act, I probably wouldn't have used those words until I heard you use them. And I like that. Uh, but it's also a, a recognition of self that I can be the source of my own power. I don't need to continuously look outside of me for that connection to the divine, to the higher existence, that liminal space. Um, that, that was the idea of, of, following this type of tradition and it's it's changed you know i I started when i was much younger in wicca and then as i got older i kind of dropped that mentality and, and and my mind in this process changed uh i think it was i want to say temperance alden the author of year of the witch and then you both introduced me to more ideas of local land based versus you know very ethereal universal goddess type gaia work which is what i was doing I want to say it, a while ago and, and now it's a very, very different, it's a very different look, it's more visceral. I would say probably more in the line of trad craft or traditional witchcraft, like you would see in the Crooked Path or uh, the Six, you brought up the Six Ways. Uh, that's very, very traddy, so if you want to call it like that. <laughs> traddy daddy, yeah. I'll be traddy daddy. Very, tra-
1: very traddy daddy, I love daddy from now on. Uh,
0: yes. Yeah, so that's, that is to me what witchcraft means
1: that's really gorgeous. Yeah, I I would like I feel like it's so hard to define. Like I'm thinking back to my answer and like that's a very like a physical answer of like what witchcraft or, or of what my practice looks like, but it, it's so much deeper than that and and like sometimes when I find myself defining it, like I really could go on for a long time trying to define what witchcraft is so it's really hard in just a few minutes to like nail down like what does that look like or define witchcraft for yourself because witchcraft really is kind of undefinable um i was talking to a friend two nights ago and we were chatting about this perception i think that people have where witchcraft is and i see it mostly on like social media um that like witchcraft is like the basic form of of like the basis of all magic and a that's not true but b also um to like to kind of throw the word basic in with witchcraft witchcraft is not a definable set set of mysteries it is it goes really deep and it goes really far into the earth and um it's complicated and scary and dangerous, and um, I won't even say that's my opinion. Like, I it, witchcraft is is deep and dark and lovely and beautiful, but also ugly and uh, definitely, um, yeah. It's a it's a path. Well, I mean, I mean,
0: sorry, there, I had to cut it out there a little bit. Uh, There is a, there's a reason we chose the words crooked path to define this podcast, because we wanted to make sure it was very clear that this, it zigzags from both sides. It's a liminal space. It's called the crooked path because it weaves back and forth from dextral to sinistral, baneful to, to beneficial. And I think one of the big things that I started in this practice when I was much, much younger was everything was beneficial. Everything was love and light. I had not even heard of the words fluffy bunny till later in my life, but I didn't realize- Neither did I. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't that wasn't thrown around when I was younger, but I was also like 12, 13, 14 years old. So I didn't have the same type of communal spaces. I just had a bunch of books from my local Books-A-Million store from the mall.
1: <laughs> yes, come on, Books-A-Million. Books-A-Million.
0: Okay, so I have your second question. What- is your most favorite spell ingredient?
1: Ooh, that's an interesting um, one. So um, <clears throat> let me stop you right there. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, so so here's, here's this really weird um, thing that I uh, go on about. Um, so for me, I think, um, which is a great question, but it leads into something that's not, about that question at all sure so i don't actually view things as ingredients or things to Mm. use so my practice is rooted in animism um so for me the animism belief that i have is that everything contains some form of divine spark or some in some way um a form of sentient or consciousness that's not necessarily to i think that there are different levels of consciousness. So um, memories that are are placed upon um, physical objects or, um, you know, natural occurrences, natural phenomena, and also, you know, um, uh, sorry, I kind of lost my train of thought, but like everything contains a form of consciousness or spirit now that doesn't mean that every spirit is easily accessible but i think that spirits get built up spirits get created spirits get separated into different aspects of different spirits right and there are many different spirits ruling over like the same thing right so you know how does how does the um Romanian folklore belief that a dragon creates a storm and flies out from the devil's cave and that's what creates storms versus over here in America, how does say uh, a Native American story where there is um, maybe um, a, a bird or you know a large creature that flies in the sky creates a storm. And I, I, I kind of think that, well, they all do that. And that's a very omnis perspective of everything. So to get back to your question, to say that there is an ingredient for me personally, I take that as a very capitalistic perspective. Mm. Um, not to shut you down. I no, think, no, no, I think this I, is a I great love question. This. this is fantastic. Um, so I don't view things as ingredients or things that you just throw in there to, you know, um, get a desired result for every everything for me is the relationship that you have with a spirit and this the particular spirit that you're working with supporting spirits right so say if you were to you know we think of in the west particularly and i think really in this like very modern witchcraft movement like Everything goes like gets boiled down to a correspondence sheet, mm. and I think that really does like a disservice to things. I think, like um, a weird personal thing that I that I had experienced a few nights ago. So I have a, a, a new rose bush that I'm growing, and the purpose of me growing this rose bush is to. Um, be like gain this particular rose bush, not the the spirit of rose proper, like not not all the roses all over the world. This particular rose bush um, is going to be a spirit ally for me. So I am growing it. I am stewarding it. I am, you know, giving it offering and speaking to it. The other night I had a sit down with it and I was doing some channel work with it. And the visions that I got from it had nothing to do with what people think roses would do. I saw the plant demon or the plant spirit. Um, I saw visions of skulls and um, looking through the eyes of the dead and like, There's a lot of things to be said about roses and necromancy work, and and that's totally true. But this this spirit of this rose, I even asked it about love. It didn't want to show me anything about love magic or um, rose petals or anything. It was all in the roots. It was under the soil. I think I'm getting off topic. But my point in saying this is that the relationship that I have with this thing may never be used as an ingredient this particular rose plant may never show me how to do a love spell this particular rose spirit might specifically want to show me one particular thing and that's okay because the relationship that i'm developing with it and what i'll be using it for in magic is going to be what the rose spirit says not what a correspondence sheet says does that make sense
0: no, no, it does actually. I've I've kind of learned and picked up more of an animistic perspective myself, and I think uh, you you saw. I made <laughs> kind of a funny
1: joke. <laughs> oh, I loved it! I loved it! I was cackling. Yeah, I made a joke about
0: uh, 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 animism is just putting googly eyes on everything, and if you really want to just kind of simplify it. it, it it's a silly way of thinking about the idea that everything is alive. Everything has spirit, a, a level of divine spark. So when you think about everything as just a level of ingredients, it's almost no more than the idea of, of, of cooking with intention. And I'm like, you know, that's cute. Um, don't get me wrong. That's just fine if that's where where your practice is. Um, I personally see it a little differently, which is why I actually wrote this question because I wanted to see what your response would be. Um, uh, Did you
1: have a feeling that I might answer like that? Kind of. Either that or you were going to say red thread.
0: It was going to be one or the other.
1: <laughs> uh, you know what? Actually, I will. I will a hundred percent go out and say my most used spell ingredient is red thread. To be honest, but
0: that would have been much shorter answer. <laughs>
1: yeah instead of the five minute long-winded answer that i gave but uh to answer your question yeah red thread is my most used spell ingredient (laughs) so the question that i have for you is i wanted to get really personal with you oh here we go yeah so tell me about your childhood like your (gasps) upbringing where you grew up um what's your childhood trauma oh my goodness Uh, you don't have to talk about that part but like (laughs) Tell, it, tell me and tell us about, you know, it's, it's weird. We've been friends for, um, oh, it's almost been a year now. Can almost. you imagine? Yeah. And um, I don't think we've ever, like, sat down and had this, like, full-blown, I know a little bit about you, but, mm-hmm. like, what was your upbringing like?
0: Um, I grew up in uh, Texas. Uh, it's a suburb of a large city. I do kind of keep the exact city uh, private, just for
1: safety reasons.
0: But for sure. Yeah. But um it was a, a relatively I want to say relatively conservative suburb in a very liberal large city. So uh I knew I was different from a very young age. I literally saw VHS recordings that my mom had on this huge camcorder of me Putting blankets on my head, pretending to be a girl, walking with a you know a super swish. I always had like I was the only boy in my school that had jellies. You remember jellies, those jelly shoes? Yes. Oh yes, they're with
1: like the the ripple things in them. Oh yeah, they were clear. I had to have my
0: jellies. I screamed if I didn't have my jellies. Um, I ended up realizing that I was definitely different. And funny enough, I discovered witchcraft before I discovered that I was gay. I wasn't ready to even take on that identity just yet. Um, oh my
1: God, me too.
0: Yeah, I wanna say it was sixth grade that I discovered uh, Buckland's complete book of witchcraft. And again, books a million. And uh, it was one of those kind of wake up calls for me that, okay, I know that I'm different. Maybe this is how I'm different. Maybe this is this is what this is what it is. Um, I couldn't figure out who I was or what I wanted. Um, but that was the first thing that really stuck out to me as as this was calling to me. Uh, unfortunately, you know, that just immediately drove a wedge between me and the rest of the people at the school and only made me uh, more of a target for different types of, of bullying and such. But at that point, at least I didn't feel like I was powerless. If that makes sense. Not that I was like hexing right or left or anything, but it, it was definitely was situations where um, it gave me a sense of personal power again and identity. Uh, I think I came out when I was, a freshman in high school during a commercial break of Mad TV. That's aging myself <laughs> right there.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: No, I love that. My mom, uh, funny enough, actually, I came home from school a-, a week before that, and one of my classmates' mother had confiscated his phone, called every number on it, and my number was on there. And apparently, when my mom answered the phone, she just goes, Is this Marshall? And she goes, No, this is Marshall's mother. And the woman, the only thing this woman said was, Do you know your son's gay? Oh, God. I know. And my mom was like, excuse me? Who are you? What are you calling about? And my mom mom was just like, well, if he is, that's none of your business. But he has not voiced as much to me. And then the other mother was like, well, then why is he speaking to my son? Is he in Boy Scouts? Is he in band? If he's not in any of these, then he must be gay. And he's influencing my child. And I came home from school and she literally said, I need to talk to you, Marshall. I was like, what's up? And she goes, I need to talk to you about your attraction to boys you know my my heart was just like exploding with this anxiety and i was like it's not true it's not true and then 2 weeks later during a commercial break of mad tv i came out and she started crying and i was like oh no please don't cry and she just said i'm so glad you finally told me
1: oh that's so really sweet it
0: was it was a very sweet and and groundbreaking moment for us because my mom was uh, she's a counselor and she knew that there was that was a huge deal not only for me but um to then continue, she she took on the burden for me. She told my dad, she told my grandparents, she told some of my neighbors. And for someone that was having a hard enough time admitting it out loud, a parent that can be so kind to take on that burden for a child or teenager, of having to share it with other people you're afraid to, um, that was a kindness that she did for me. I know uh, not everyone would have wanted it that way, but I did. So for me, it took off that burden of having to carry it. Um, Yeah. Now in high school, actually, there was a lot of issues with, funny enough, there was actually a death threat that I got. They brought me into the office and they said, someone has made a threat against your life. And I was like, oh my gosh, who? And they said, I'm sorry, we cannot inform that of you. We can't tell you other students' uh, transgression. I was like, oh, okay, well, uh, what did they say? And they said, I'm afraid that's between us and the student. I'm like, okay, so you can't tell me who it was. You can't tell me what they said. Are they being punished? And they said, I'm sorry, that's again between us, the school officials and the student. I said, so what am I doing here?
1: Right, like why bring me here? Like just yes, and so I can be worried?
0: Yes, their response was, um, we as, as the school have a, a legal duty to inform you when a threat has been made against your life on school grounds. Um, So we have informed you and now we're going to have an escort take you back to class. I love that. That was it. Um, Several more things happened, uh, but later on, this is really cool, me and my mom got together and she actually worked with multiple school districts, including my own, on the process of building a safer, more inclusive LGBT environment. Uh, sensitivity training and so i actually got to go back and speak to my own school isd the principals the vice principals the guidance counselors and give advice on what should be done and what should not be done which is pretty much everything that happened to me
1: (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. that's really cool that's really cool it sounds like you and your mom are really like really close i'm i'm very close to
0: my mom I'm, i'm lucky for that absolutely good Okay, so I have, me- I have a question for you. What is your first memory in the craft?
1: Ooh, that's a good one. Um, so, taking it back to my childhood years, I came into the craft. Um, I love that. I love that for you, Books a Million is the agent of the devil. Yes, um, <laughs> Books a Million in the mall. Yes, uh, for me it was Scooby Doo. Um, Scooby Doo and the Witch's Ghost was yes! like yes, I remember that. Yes, too. yes, um, that was the first time that I had ever heard not witch, but like Wicca, and um, also like the Hex Girls were hot. I mm. pretended that I had a crush on them when really I wanted to be them. Of course, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, my favorite was the the blonde one with the with the um, green outfit because I just loved it so much. It was so gothy. Um, anyways, so, but that was the first time that I'd ever heard the term Wicca. So I had exposure to it and that came out, I think in 2000 or 1999. And um, at that point I would have been like, in 2000 I would have been uh, three years old. Um, so I had an exposure to that I know I know (laughs) I'm young Um, y'all so I was exposed to that word at a really young age and didn't fully understand the concept but I don't know exactly how I knew what that was um, you know for a really long time even before I really started like getting into witchcraft Um, but I always I had such weird experiences as a child um this isn't necessarily witchcraft but when I was a very young kid I used to have dreams of or I had a series of dreams where I would meet with this um not friendly uh demonic spirit and Um, I think I've talked about this like online before, but I would have these dreams of this demonic spirit and it would tell me to do things for it. And it would, you know, one of its big packs or not packs, we didn't make any agreements. Um, As a a young child, I wasn't making any deals with any demons, Um, but it had told me, like, you know, if you ever tell anyone about this, um, I'll make your family go blind. Um, I'll cause, I'll, like, cause blindness upon your your mother and your father and all of that. And it would show me, like, images of, like, my parents, you know, without their eyes and, and all of that. And this was a series of dreams over several weeks. Um, and eventually through the power of prayer, um, <laughs> I was uh, like able to remove this spirit from my dreams and it never bothered me again. Um, so I know that's interesting for maybe some of you, cause you're like, well, firstly, prayer, the fuck. Secondly, that's really interesting how you go from having meetings with demons in your dreams to Wanting to meet them and and talk to them and conjure them up and this, that, and the third. Well, that's on your um, terms. It's on your terms now. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so a quick aside, y'all. Um, there are many, many wonderful spirits. Um, not all of them have your best interest at heart. So some of them do want to take advantage of you or scare you or things like that. Um, so that was really my first, like, visceral memory of, okay, there is... Spirits, there is a power in prayer, or at least a power in dreams, prayer. And in some weird way, even though I wouldn't have considered it magic, there is a power beyond me or within me to do, to make things happen. It that, and that happened probably when I was like three or four. I was pretty young, but I do remember it. Um, and it wasn't until years later that I eventually like came to the craft, mostly through divination mm. and um, wanting to learn how to read tea leaves and um, really, really shitty astrology and um, really, really shitty poem readings. <laughs> um, I wasn't good at it, uh, <laughs> but um, then I wanted to get a tarot deck and it was at Barnes and Noble and they had this little like pocket tarot deck. It was like, you can't see what I'm doing, but it's like the, the, probably the size of like my palm. And I remember I asked my mom to buy that for me and she said, no, that's satanic. You may not have that. Um, so being the kid that I was, I took $12 worth of quarters, which is about how much the deck costs. I didn't have a job at the time. It was probably like 11 Um, And I bought the tarot deck for myself. And while divination and tarot does not equate to witchcraft, that was kind of my gateway into it. That makes sense. Yeah, I had like lots of weird formative experiences. Like I had my first tarot reading when I was four and, you know, the spirit dream thing and all of that. I feel like it's like a multi-step path that leads you to it
0: Mm -hmm.
1: so i wanted to know how did you come into witchcraft that's my third question (laughs) (laughs) um i like that we're mirroring each other's questions obviously we were meant to do this together
0: (laughs) Um, Again, mine literally was... I was always obsessed with witchcraft when I was younger. Like, the ideas of witches in movies and books. I always found myself identifying more often with the person who was gifted powers or the villain because the villain was the witch. Uh, (laughs) Like, I was way more in line with with, uh, uh, Maleficent or the Witch of the West. Uh, I I just really, really was into all of that stuff. Um, Now, I remember... I do remember Scooby-Doo and the Witch's Ghost, which is funny you bring that up because I remember being like, oh my gosh, they're bringing up Wicca. They're bringing up this ancient religion. And I'm like, oh, now we know more. It's very much based on Margaret Murray's idea of this ancient witchcraft line. And when I discovered it, that was still very much the narrative in the 90s. Like I found uh, complete book of witchcraft at Books of Million. Books of Million is becoming an egregore now. It's growing based off of me saying the words over and over again. Um, But I also discovered Teen Witch by Silver Ravenwolf. Um, You know, I do think that people don't always give her enough credit, especially nowadays, because everyone has to basically live off of the information that was presented at the time. And Silver did something that I think was different from most of the writers is that she not only targeted books towards Um, less ceremonial aspects of the craft, but she actually even wrote a book for teenagers and she started with an opening chapter that was for the parents. Uh, No other book did that. And it was a way for me to invite my mom or a parent, my dad didn't care, he was atheist. It was a way for me to invite my mom into understanding what I was doing. So getting involved, that was hard because she was Episcopalian. She was very much into the advice from from our priest at the time and I just had to kind of practice a lot in secret. Uh, I still remember my first spell was a freezer spell and funny enough uh, it had gotten really bad rumor-wise mill wise in my middle school that Marshall was doing witchcraft and voodoo and uh, the police, not the police, the teachers pulled me into the office and said these parents have been calling in. Uh, about their, their concerned about their children being around you and that you're threatening them with witchcraft. And I'm like, but what? No, none of that. It's just people don't know what's going on. So they make up scary stories. They go home, tell their parents. And what I am now as an adult understanding is they, they took a bullied kid into the office and they told the kid who was being bullied that he needs to stop all these people bullying him. I was that kid just so we're clear. Um, <laughs> and... They told me very specifically, we need all of this talk to stop. And if it doesn't, we're probably gonna have to call your parents. So I'm freaking out. I don't want my parents to be like, oh my gosh, Marshall's doing witchcraft and all this stuff and it's becoming a big deal in school. Like that was not in my plan. So I did a a freezer spell where I put the situation on paper, put it in a baggie, put it in a Tupperware container of water and then just put it in the back of the freezer. And funny enough, a lot of the talk stopped. They never had to call my parents. I want to call them now and be like, what the fuck were you doing talking to a child who was being bullied about stopping his bulliers? But that is neither he nor there.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. Wow. that's um, It's so interesting how um, schools do shit like that. Yeah, because I remember... Things were I asked remember, backwards back then. Yeah, I remember a lot of things happening... Um, like that to me as well. I think it's, yeah, it's your turn, right? Yeah, yeah. I,
0: I actually, this is a great question for you. Uh, what was coming out like for you? And which do you feel was harder, coming out as gay or as a witch to your family?
1: So that it, yeah, I love that. Um, it's funny enough, all happened at the same time or it happened Many times. So I um I grew up obviously very similar to you, very queer from a young age. There's um, a cute photo of me. It's adorable. I love it. I am on all fours. I couldn't be older than like three in the picture. I'm on all fours with my le- um, feet up in the air. I'm like, hands down, knees on the floor, feet up in the air, and a pair of my um like grandfather's girlfriends, <laughs> clear kitten heeled bedroom slippers with like the the Marbo tufts on the on them, um, and a and a pair of like Mr. Potato Head earrings. And I'm I'm, I'm like ass up in it. Like <laughs> and I'm just looking at the camera, like smiling, like look at me. Aren't I the prettiest gal at the ball? And reoccurrences like that happened through all my life. Um, So when I came into witchcraft, I knew there were certain aspects of my, myself that I had to hide. I didn't really understand the concept of being gay. I knew what gay was. I didn't think I was gay, even though I was fucking around with boys at like a really young age, but I didn't consider that gay either. Um, But I, um, so when I, when I came into witchcraft, I knew that I had to hide it because I had already had that experience from my mom at like the, uh, Barnes and Noble with the tarot cards and things like that. I hid them. Um, and I knew that I, I, you know, I went to like a, a Lutheran school when I was a kid and I was always challenging my educators about religious beliefs and things like that. Um, And so I knew what I was doing was considered wrong, at least to my family and to the church and to the school that I went to. Um, When I was getting older, there were several uh, like occurring things where like I would get a tarot deck and then my parents would find it or I would um, ask for. Uh, Agrippa's three books of occult philosophy but instead of saying occult philosophy I would just say the three books of philosophy um and I would like put that down on my Christmas list and then you know they would look into it and they'd be like well you left the major word out that's a red flag and that's the word occult um that's not good and then it would you know that would turn into like these big explosive arguments like really um not just like sit down and let's have a chat like no uh the the worst experience and the most memorable one i was uh 14 and i had come home from my local occult bookstore and i had this um and god i i I would never wear it now but i had this like big gaudy pentacle that i would wear when i was out with my friends but then I would take off before I would get in the door. Oh my gosh, and- me too. I did
0: the same thing.
1: Yes, yes. Yes. And I forgot to take it off one day. <gasps> and I came into my mom's room and she saw it. And that led to this whole thing of like, you know, um, finding out more stuff, like going through my room, finding more things, going through my Instagram, or I'm sorry, my Facebook. We didn't have Instagram at the time. Um, going through my Facebook and all my text messages um, from boys at school. And that's when they found all the, you know, homosexual conversations that I was having on top of all the witchcraft stuff that led to like this book burning in my backyard. And like, um, yeah, really, really like dramatic Wow. experiences that I somehow my parents don't remember that. And I'm like, um, uh, yeah, I wonder why mm-hmm. I don't I don't tell you a lot of things about what I do. Um, but yeah, there there was like a book burning. They lit all of my like they lit um, this altar that I had on fire. They lit all of these books on fire on top of that at the same time, while simultaneously going through like all of my text messages and my my uh, direct messages from from Facebook and being able to see the confirmation that yes, I was gay. And yes, I was sleeping with like men who were way older than they should have been that I should have been sleeping with. And um, yeah, so it all happened like at the same time. And it led to some really difficult times for me and my family. Um, They got over the, the gay thing really quickly Um, and we were okay that like, they got over it within like a week or or two weeks. Um, but they never got over the witchcraft thing. And they weirdly, they did after I was like 18. Um, and I was like out of the house. I don't know. Uh, I not super long ago. Like I told my mom that I was, uh, during the quarantine that I was like doing tarot readings for, um, you know, to pass the time while I wasn't working and, uh, like that was okay. That's whatever. That's fine. And I'm like, what happened to all this like fire and brill and brimstone from like, you know, uh, three years ago? Like, what, what the fuck? Um, so, yeah. It, it all happened at the same time. And it was very violent. Wow. That's
0: explosive. And then quite diminishing near the end. <laughs> yeah, right,
1: right. Yeah. We're all Gucci now. Oh, good, good. So I wanted to know, uh, we, and you've kind of already explained it, but what did your craft look like in the past and how does that look like now? And like, what's changed? Do you find yourself like, cause I know just in the time that I've known you, like, it seems like your witchcraft, at least on social media has changed a lot. And so is mine, like just within the past, like couple of months, like there are some like experiences and things that I've been going through. So what does that look like for you?
0: you know it has actually changed a lot um it used to be very goddess centric very goddess heavy i looked at the universe or or this idea of creation as very feminine because creation itself in my mind was was feminine it was this idea of birth giving so i kind of focused very much on 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 divinity and the divine as having a little bit more of a goddess type energy and i think that kind of came from the fact that when I was younger and I was kind of forced into Christianity, uh, it was very patriarchal. Very patriarchal. It was very uh, male dominated, and and I, being someone who I'm not, I'm not gender fluid, but I recognize the fluidity of gender. I, I recognize that I have masculine and feminine aspects of myself, and I like embracing both of those. But I felt like I was very oppressed in embracing femininity when I was younger, so when I could in my spirituality embrace that feminine aspect, I went directly for it. Um, I definitely have delved into different aspects of Hikate or, or, or general goddess type energy that I kind of would channel into my work. And then slowly something sh- sort of shifted when I started learning about um, traditional witchcraft from specifically Gemma Gary's book traditional witchcraft (laughs) it was something that kind of switched on and changed and then I started learning about folkloric witchcraft from from like uh, you and Aaron and Corey and uh, uh, the idea of understanding sabbatic inspiration the way in which we use this Historical witchcraft as inspiration for systems that are now built based off of, you know, the Man in Black, the folkloric devil, the horned god, this this great initiator of the land. And now I actually very much start seeing these archetypes as as heads of of specific energetic uh, existences. So when I think of the Man in Black or 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 the horned one, I'm literally thinking of almost like the keeper of the physical realm the the guy that stands on the edge between here and the other side so there's this idea of this great initiator someone who you work you work with and build relationships with and maybe make an is- self-initiation or dedication to the same way you might see something in in the book the silver bullet or or histories of of folklore, which is going in midnight under the full moon and dancing around a circle and calling up the devil and being like hey Give me your mark. Let's work together, dude. (laughs) So it's, it's changed a little bit more. And, and, and funny enough, I am getting so much more in touch with my local land, where I live in Texas, the trees that are outside of my window, the birds that now visit my patio, the garden that I'm growing. Uh, I'm, I'm building a relationship with a huge Oak. That's at the corner of the crossroads where I live. And then a Japanese maple in my courtyard, because I don't know. It just feels like I'm building relationships with things that are straight up right here. And when I talk about the idea of the folklore devil or the man in black, I don't quite think about it as much as 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 the idea of some scary devil. As much as I think about this this gateway, this energetic gateway of of, of I don't even want to say male. As much as I just want to say a a very Active energy, and then on the other side of that is where you start to get more into the ether, into I guess in dragraft you call it like the witch queen or 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 whatnot. But that's where I start getting more into spirit work, more into uh, uh the under or the overworld, the above or the below, if that makes sense. It's it's outside of this physical realm, and it's a little bit more into the ethereal realm. I have not delved to i'm still learning i'm still experimenting with that but i have been focusing more specifically on the initiator or uh man in black and that's kind of what my practice looks like now
1: yeah that's really great so i have a question for you uh
0: what is the book or resource that most inspired your
1: craft Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, because, you know, people
0: are going to listen to this and be like, I want to read that too now.
1: Right. I wonder, um, like, you mean specifically, like, what I do now, right?
0: Well, I just mean in general, what is something that you have read? What is a book you purchased or was given to you that just was, like, one of those aha moments and then it inspired your craft in just a significant
1: way? It could be now. Yeah, I think... Um, Well, everything that I've ever read has kind of shaped me to where I'm at now, but I will say that I think Aaron Oberyn's um, Southern Cunning uh, Folkloric Witchcraft in the American South is probably um, the most influential in terms of what I do now, even though you know, Aaron and I are, are friends and getting to talk to them, it's, you know, our practices might look somewhat separate and, and different, but, you know, there's a connection. We both live in Florida. Um, you know, I took on this somewhat trad craft kind of um, approach from things. And then it later developed into what I would consider folkloric witchcraft. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think that would be a really important book for what I do now.
0: You heard it everyone, Southern Cunning by Erin O'Brien. Uh, uh, it is on Scribd as well, I believe, if you have a Scribd membership. Um, nice. have, you heard, have you heard of Scribd? I love it, they have a lot of <laughs> audiobooks as well.
1: Yes, I have heard of Scribd. I don't have a subscription. But maybe I should check it out. That's too bad for you. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Oh, my God. I love your skirt. That is is the ugliest effing skirt I've ever seen. (laughs) I'm wondering, are there... uh, Which is funny. These questions really do kind of mirror each other. I think we are on the same wavelength. Um, You've kind of talked... And I feel like this is a really great question for you. Especially knowing where you grew up and how your upbringing was, especially being like a kid in the 90s and the early 2000s and how, like, what a weird time for media and how Mm -hmm. gorgeous that was. Um, Are there any non-witchy media sources that impacted your craft, pop culture, movies, TV shows, um, or like non-witchy books, like fiction and stuff like that? You know, I read a huge amount of uh, a lot of witchy books, like
0: Sweep. Sweep was a big one, but that is totally a bastardized version of Wicca. And if you ever want a really fun young adult novel series, Sweep is wonderful. Uh, but if we're going non witchy, but something that was extremely influential, funny enough, is Arl Stein's Fear Street uh, novels, Fear Street Saga specifically. Um, it was really fascinating because a lot of these uh, uh, books, There, it was very horror genre. I was always in horror genre. Scary movies, scary books. My mom doesn't know this. Maybe she does know this. Who, who knows? She's going to find out today <laughs> Well, when she listens to this. But like my mom would go out of town and my dad would not. This is pretty much probably the only thing that me and my dad have in common is we loved scary movies. So I'll go out of town and my dad would take me to Blockbuster. That's right blockbuster and loved <laughs> blockbuster blockbuster and i was allowed to rent any rated r scary movie that i wanted and that is how i uh i was able to uh, build a more of a kind of a, a regular type of symbiotic relationship with my dad so i wouldn't say it necessarily affected my craft but it definitely affected my relationship with my parents and um I want to say, again, it's hard to think of anything that really re- affected my craft in media growing up. But I will say recently, and this may be an offshoot, social media has deeply affected my craft because outside of witchcraft in general, I am starting to notice how um, not only people respond, but I specifically kind of found a witch talk during the whole, you know, TikTok witchcraft stuff on uh during quarantine. And I was seeing a lot of stuff that I thought was either misinformation or just kind of bad. Some of it was cool, but I was like, I'm not seeing what I want to see. So I had to start making it. So TikTok for me was one of those really big, great unintentional initiators, especially when it came to social media, because it pushed me to visually make something that I wanted to be seen and represented that I didn't quite see was being represented.
1: Yeah. Yeah, social media, oof, that's, uh, we'll have to talk about more. That'll be probably
0: a whole series of, that'll be a (laughs) three-parter. Ooh, yeah. Okay, so I have one for you. Uh, Who would you have dinner with? Anyone in history of the world, dead or alive. A single dinner, pick one.
1: Oof. Um, I don't know. Oh wow, uh, these questions are always one of the most difficult. Like your favorite, or like just choosing one thing. I'm so bad at. Um, we might have to cut out this silence because <laughs> I'm like, uh, yeah, I could really, I could really think about this uh, too much for a long time. I, you know what? I think I would this can't be my final answer but i for now i'll have to say isabel Gowdy. Ooh! Um, for people who
0: don't know can you tell who isabel Gowdy is
1: yeah so isabel Gowdy um was a scottish woman back in the um 15th century 16th century um 15th century i'm pretty sure early modern period she was tried and accused and tried of witchcraft she um came forth with a series of of four trials over a period of six weeks that uh, no torture no like no one was sticking her with needles or you know anything like that um she probably gave some of the most in-depth confessions about her experiences with being a witch and her experiences with the devil. And basically, Isabel's trial records, um, amongst many other trial records, but hers are some of the most influential on when we think of like witch folklore, um, even to the point where some of the tropes that we see with like witch movies, you know, get. Uh, turned in, into into like these movie tropes. So Isabel Gowdy's trial records have had a huge impact on witchcraft, accusing witches, and also modern witchcraft as well. We have no idea. I don't know what she looks like. We know she was like middle-aged. We know she was married. Um, and we don't know what happened to her after her trials. Um, in my mind, I think she hopefully would have ran off and... Um, you know, escaped her oppressors, but it was uncommon for the time uh, because Scotland was doing so many of these trials. Like they, you know, they didn't really care like about what happened afterwards. She was probably killed, um, but we don't know that for sure. So I would love to have dinner with her. She is a wild gal. She loves a good party. She loves a good feast. Um uh yeah and I think I would love to have dinner with her. We would probably get very drunk and eat way too much food.
0: I'm going to be super superficial and just go ahead and put this out there because there's no real reason behind it whatsoever other than the absolute obvious. I choose Jason Momoa. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I see that for you. Thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> oh, I guess you did say dead or alive.
0: Dead or alive. Sure. Yeah. Anyone, anytime ever.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm wondering what is your favorite method of divination?
0: Um, Right now. Uh, I'm still trying to teach myself tarot. It takes time for me to learn that one. I have the modern witch tarot deck. Um, And I have an Oracle deck. And right now, sometimes the one-card pulls are really easy for me to kind of be like, okay, uh, what is the one piece of advice I can ask from this deck to give me, to prepare me for the day? I have also learned more about the process of asking more specific questions. (laughs) Not like, (laughs) what's in my path? Path of what? Path of death? Path for dinner? The path on your car on the way to work today? Like, I would ask some of those very broad questions and get very broad answers. And I didn't really know what to do with it. So learning how to be more specific with tarot has been helpful, but I also really like an Oracle card An Oracle card is one of those that it's very different from tarot. They all change based off of the deck. And I like that I can kind of either do a single card, uh, a question that I need, I need uh, a theme around, if that makes sense. So I probably have to say, um, tarot and oracle cards for now yes that and funny enough uh talking with fire
1: okay a little bit of
0: pyromancy going on yes i have been slowly i won't get too detailed with it because those are details are hard to explain but the process of lighting a candle reaching out for the energy or spirit of flame and then trying to have a conversation with it. Flame has a very specific energy. It has a very specific idea of itself, if that makes sense. At least that's what I I read into it. So um, it's not going to give you answers on everything, but when it comes to dealing with, with the element of sometimes it is. It's interesting because I've talked with you about this before that I'll, I'll light this candle. I'm asking it very specific questions And it surprises me with the answers because most people are concerned about whether or not am I projecting my answer onto this and then just assuming it's confirming it or or am I getting actual useful, usable new information? And what surprised me the most was getting that clap back, (laughs) getting that sense of like this spirit is rolling its eyes at me. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Like I got that clap back at one point and I got that sense of, of you're going about this the wrong way. This is what you should be doing. And I knew it was actionable, not just projection, because it's something I didn't think about or know before uh, uh, evoking the power of fire, before evoking that spirit. Um, I didn't know that beforehand. So for me, it was a new thought, a new idea, and it felt more planted than it did made up on my own. So uh, that's kind of a new one for me.
1: I love that.
0: Okay, so I'm curious, uh, if you could have a fictional superpower, any type of fictional superpower, what would it be?
1: Ooh. um, hmm, hmm, hmm. I think I would love to be able to turn invisible Ooh, yeah i think i would love being able to go through the world seen or unseen um there's probably a lot of crimes that would be committed there's probably (laughs) lots of um yeah i would be i would be a really mischievous bitch if i could truly turn invisible um but you know i i love actually to to bring it randomly back to magic um invisibility uh in magic is something that um i use somewhat often so i mean clearly it doesn't like turn me into uh, wonder woman or not wonder woman um the invisible woman but you know like that is something that i do use so it's fascinating i love that so my final question for you before, you know, some little rapid fires. Um what are you hoping to get out of this podcast and what are you what are you excited for? Um what do you want this to be?
0: You know, I I actually I love that question because I have a couple of favorite podcasts. I love occultism with a side of salt. Uh, I love seeking witchcraft, I love invoking witchcraft. Um, our Paths podcast. I've listened to all of these and I love what they give. I love the conversation. Um, I have really appreciated getting to know you and the things that you have inspired in my craft and, and that's one of those things that I feel like I want to talk about and I, honestly I have my social media and my and I, my SM friend, you know, I'm just going to say social media friends, <laughs> not SM friends. <laughs> that's a little different. Uh, but That's what
1: I was thinking. I was like,
0: oh. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) My social media friends. But, you know, in real life, in my regular everyday life, I am the only witch that I know, mostly. So I want to be contributing and I want to also be a part of and take from uh, this community. I want to interview people that inspire me. uh, And I want to do that with you because I trust you. So one of the things that I want to get out of this truly is to enrich the community and learn from it. I love that. So I have a last question for you before we rapid fire. What, if anything, would you want to tell your younger self?
1: Ooh, there are a lot of things. (laughs) Um, Don't sleep with him. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Have safer sex. Love yourself, baby, because oof, woo chile. You uh it took a long time, but I'm I'm glad I I do now. But like, you know, if you maybe like started off on loving yourself a little bit more and being a little gentler on yourself, you probably would have avoided a lot of issues. Um yeah, those kinds of things.
0: I feel like that's one of those things we as 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 gay men grow up and look back and think, why did it take me so many years to find self-love? Yeah. I know that's the yeah, other one for
1: me. Yeah. it's And it's, it's a constant process. Like it's never like, Oh, suddenly I have, you know, enlightened myself beyond all feeling of, of self-hatred or, or anything like that. Like it's a constant work that I'm doing and working on. Um, Sometimes more intensively than others, but yeah, it, it definitely is something that's ongoing.
0: It's not like you get to a point where you're like, "There, I got
1: it. I'm done. I don't have to work I'm healed. i healed." Yeah, <laughs> wouldn't that yeah, be? Nice? I gradu- I graduated from therapy, and I'm I'm finished. That's so. the
0: superpower that I want <laughs> to be finished
1: <laughs> to be done. I think that means
0: you're dead. <laughs> oh fuck! Yeah. <laughs> okay, so. Uh, I want to rapid fire questions for you first. And you have to give me your first answer, whatever comes to mind. Okay. You ready? I have like, I think like five or six. That's it. Just a quick one. Ready? Favorite color. Black. Uh, Fly on an airplane or a road trip? Fly on an airplane. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Herbs or crystals? Herbs. Day or night? Night. And lastly,
1: beer, wine, or hard liquor? Hard liquor. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I have um, some rapid fires for you, and I want you to, um, of course, use the first thing that comes to mind. Okay, I'm ready, I'm ready. Favorite witch book?
0: Traditional Witchcraft by Gemma Gary.
1: Favorite non-witch book?
0: Ooh. Oh. Uh, um,
1: the Lovely Bones. Okay, cute, good one. Um, Most fuckable sun sign. Ah! (laughs) Okay, this is going to be really weird,
0: and I'm just going to put it out there because I'm a weird person, and I'm going to go with straight up my own Sagittarius because I feel like I get along really well with Sagittarius's, and whenever we do have a... A uh, uh, A tryst? A tryst. (laughs) I never complain. No,
1: okay, actually... I have one more for you, but like also, no, I would totally agree with that, especially the the ruling planet of Sagittarius being Jupiter. It's always bound to be a good time. Mm-hmm. Um, my last one for you, gay club or a chill bar? Chill bar. I see that for you.
0: Yeah, you know. Okay, so this is a little something that you may not know, actually, and the audience is going to find out. I actually am an extroverted introvert, so I like extroversion or being extroverted on my own terms. So sometimes a crowded, intense, like heavy, uh, a club scene. I can handle it in small doses, but I actually have a weird fear of crowds. Um, the more dense, the more shoulder-to-shoulder, the more I have to get the fuck out of there uh, immediately. And, oh my gosh, my age is going to show here. It's too loud.
1: <laughs> no, I, it, it is it, so
0: it, loud.
1: I agree with that. No, that's totally fair. Yeah. I'd actually rather not... Um... I do like a concert, I know you don't but mm. I do like a good concert but I like small venues and I like really intimate performances with people as opposed to like stadium shows or fest- I hate festivals Ugh. too many people, too hot too, it's always like in the summer or in the early autumn when it's not cold out and you know me, I like, I like the winter So I have one word for you board potty is that one word or not two <laughs> is it two words it's hyphenated so it's, it's hyphenated I thought, <laughs> I thought you were gonna say come dumb so i was like okay. oh. <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> no what <laughs> no. i like me uh, never <laughs> no <laughs> i wouldn't hear you out like that <laughs> <laughs> not on a podcast please not on a podcast please <laughs>
0: Well, oh my gosh, this has been a, I think this is a fantastic content
1: for our first episode. I think it is too. And um, I'm excited. I, I hope it was juicy enough for the first round.
0: Uh, I think it was pretty juicy if you ask me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so again, tell everyone where people can find you.
1: Uh, yeah. So um, I'm Bane X Bramble on Instagram.
0: I'm going to get you to get a Twitter. You need to start putting these uh, sassy-ass remarks on tweets.
1: I have a Twitter, but it's just for porn.
0: Okay, gotcha. (laughs) I mean, everyone does. You need a second Twitter. (laughs) Everyone (laughs) has one of those. A second Twitter. Um, And and I'm Marshall, the Witch of Southern Light. You can find me, Witch of Southern Light, on uh, uh, Instagram, on TikTok, Marshall WSL on Twitter. And I do have a very, very funky youtube channel i don't put a lot of stuff on there it's a lot of just random stuff things that i've put up uh which is also again witch of southern light gorgeous excellent so thank you everyone for listening to the virgin episode of southern bramble
1: i hope this uh all of your virginist desires and yeah i hope you liked it
0: thank you so much and we will see you next time (laughs)